February. So, cool. This week on Erotic Awakening, shame and get off my lawn. Hey, patron supporters. We have a special in February for you. Head over to our list of video offerings and get any one you want free. Click on Class on Demand and let us know which one you want and we will send you the code. Welcome to Erotic Awakening, an exploration of all things erotic. If you are offended by adult topics or prohibited by law, we recommend you stop listening. When? Right now. We want to thank our latest patron supporter and all of our patron supporters, but our latest patron supporter, Jules. Thank you so much. (laughs) Head over to patreon.com slash erotic awakening today and get your bonus content and support the show speaking of thanking our patron supporters not only do you get this free video we were just talking about a class that we're going to put together secret special class just for patron supporters we are so that's going to be in the next couple of days we'll get that announcement out there so yay hi, so, hi dan hi dawn after 15 years, that should be like automatic. I forgot all about going. it. I, I forgot all about it. And, and it just kind of fades away. <laughs> so that's because I have a heavy topic in mind. It is a heavy topic. It is indeed, yes. So it was brought up by a patron. Yes, patron and friend. And we sat on this for a little bit. And you actually did some legitimate research on this. We reached out to some friends. Mm-hmm. And of course, like everything else, we're going to share our personal experience, but we're going to share a little bit more about it as well. Dawn, the topic today, we are going to be talking about feeling shame about your kink. Right. So it's not, so it's a, it's like an internal shame. What do we say? We try not to yuck someone else's yum, Mm -hmm. but what about yucking your own yum? Right. Instead of looking at somebody and saying, oh, you're into rope or you're into blood play. That's disgusting. That's not this situation. That's called kink shaming, and we want to avoid kink shaming, obviously, yep, because yuck on someone's yum. Different strokes for different folks. As long as it's ethical and consensual, then you know, go for it. If that includes eating poop, you know, that is so not my thing. But if that's your kink, you go for it and enjoy. And I hope you find other people that dig it with you. And if you can think about it, there is a kink for it, right? You know, that's what we're told. You know, and there's probably. Porn on it, and there's probably, probably else that you can find, right? So this is not about yucking someone else's yum or calling people out for the kinks that they enjoy, mm-hmm. fetishes, or things like that. This was presented more on what if you're yucking your own yum? What if you feel internal shame for what it is that you enjoy? Mm-hmm. And You know, I was thinking, oh, you and I can't talk about that. We don't have shame for what we enjoy. Look at this. We've been doing it for 20 some years. We've been talking about it on the podcast for 15. We've been writing about it for, I don't know, 13, 14 years at this point. You know, all the things we're out there. We're, 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 there's no shame involved, but yeah, I'm betting I can actually talk on that and you might be able to talk on that. Oh, Absolutely. And I had a friend, oddly enough, reach out to me recently and they're like, you know, I, I want my, my, my mistress to do this thing with me, but I, I finally got the courage to bring it up and they're not into it. So now they were feeling shame about it, right? Because they finally, you know, brought it up and it's not that their mistress shamed them, but they just went, oh no. And just saying, oh no, can, can bring a sense of shame that you like it when someone else doesn't accept it. Well, yeah, absolutely. We are 
in a society where a lot of alternative sexual expressions are looked at with either shame or humiliation by other people, right? And even a lot of stuff on the media will make fun of it. Certainly, the only way that you'll see male submissives portrayed in the media is they're always weak and cringeworthy. The media goes for the drama, right? Mm -hmm. The show Bones did a really good job when they brought up pony play. Okay, It still wasn't the way I've been around pony play before, but that doesn't mean it's not valid. But they didn't like try to shame people. It was just a piece of the story. Mm -hmm. But the media does try to bring drama into a lot of this and shame people. I mean, it's on Murray Povich and, you know, all that other stuff. Adult babies in diapers yep. oh my god that's a big topic for shaming people and stuff like that but the other thing is is not only is it media but the the actual ds dsm and i forget what that stands for but i mean it was it was literally stated that this stuff is a mental condition right Right. Many of our fetishes up until the most recent version and the, the, the book we're referring to is the book of what is and is not a psychological issue or a psychological problem. So let me start off. Let's talk about some. Let's get down to it. Right. Here's a situation. You know, you'd said, oh, maybe you'll be able to think of a situation where where you've had to deal with this. Well, I've got one of those specifically. When I first started to practice BDSM is the first time that I started to feel shame about the enjoyment of being a top. I'm not going to say the enjoyment of being a sadist. That's uh, I'll go with that word for now for simplicity. If we sat down and talked about, are you a sadist one day? It, to me, that's a very complex conversation, but I certainly did enjoy leaving bruises, creating welts, perhaps drawing blood on the people that I was playing with and hearing them squeal in pain and all that kind of stuff, right? Well, we, at least male-bodied people in America, we are taught not to treat female-bodied people like that. We are taught to never hit a male-bodied person, right? It's just the kind of thing that we're taught. So there was some looking in the mirror. There was some self-shame. As I looked at myself and said, what the, what are you kind of some kind of a sick fuck that you enjoy that kind of thing? So, well, and it's kind of funny because I did do a little bit of research on this just to make sure that I, I got the right definition for shame, mm -hmm. because sometimes I get shame mixed up with guilt. Okay. Okay. Do we, do we know what the difference between the two are? Yes, because I wrote notes down. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so guilt is you can make amends. So you have a guilt over an action. That was mm -hmm. the simplest definition that I could find. Sure. So guilt, you can make amends for whatever it is. Shame is about changing the self. So shame is an internal thing that you're feeling an emotion okay. over, a negative okay. emotion over. So guilt would be, I don't know, uh, stealing candy from a candy store. Okay. Okay. So that would be guilt. Whereas shame is that drive to be someone that steals things something that you want to change about yourself you have uh -huh. a name over that so internalizing the how you feel about yourself about being a thief yes. of candy yes 
Okay. Okay. So something like right. that. So that that's a off the top of my head sort of example. Sure. sure. So, but I know for me, I had had. I'm gonna look at that and, and see if that's truth. Had shame over wanting to be a masochist or even a follower. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, a lot of shame about the desire to be a follower. Now, in the little research stuff that I was doing, there's actually new research that says that an interest in SM, sexual masochism for Mm -hmm. this one, Mm -hmm. was significantly linked with higher levels of life satisfaction. (laughs) So it's new research. I like that research. That says... Sexual masochism was significantly linked with higher levels of life satisfaction. Now, I need to to remember where I got this link from. I would I'm going to pull it up so I can put it in the show notes to see where this research come from because you always have to look at that who's doing the research and sure. who's stating what, right? So my thought is it didn't say anything about sexual sadism. It said sexual masochism. Okay. Well, how are you experiencing sexual masochism without the help of a sexual sadist? Fair. Right? So you're providing a service, sir. <laughs> you are helping many of us um, um, embrace our sexual masochism well, for a better, higher level of life satisfaction. You know, I've been thinking about going into the life coach pr- profession, <laughs> and I think that I found my niche now. Well, as a, a pro-dom... Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, absolutely. I bet you they go through stuff like that sometimes, you know. But that seems to be the big one is sadism and masochism that people feel shame for. But there's specific kinks as well. Yeah, I would have to think there's a that. Uh, I, I would say that any fetish that you have has the potential to create a shameful feeling within you, right? Mm -hmm. You might just be into buying panties off the internet and, you know, somebody finds out about that. You're going to feel like, going to feel shame about that. You might feel shame even though nobody finds out about it. It really doesn't matter what the fetish is, what the kink is. It has the potential for shame and it has the potential for creating your own self-loathing as an expression of that shame. Well, that's why people keep it secret for so long, is my assumption, right? I mean, think of how many men that we've come across that are now in their 60s and 70s and just coming out as Mm cross-dressers. They have finally gotten to a point where they're like, you know what? I don't give a fuck what other people say. This makes me happy. I'm going to a party and I'm going to wear a dress, Right. right? So, but it's taken them so long. And then, you know, there's some people spoke up when I reached out onto a couple of groups and said, you know, what's, do you have shame? Have you experienced shame? And some people wrote back and they said, this is big in the adult baby diaper community and stuff like this, that they feel shame, that that brings them pleasure. And, you know, you've got all these, these other kinks, you've got the big ones, but hell, just having a kink at all. Sure. You know, people don't share that with with their friends. How many of us are keeping that secret and why? And it is because of that shame and that we don't want to be judged. Mm-hmm. 
Sure. Right. So I'm I'm really glad that a lot of this is becoming more mainstream because of things like Fifty Shades of Grey. We can poo-poo Fifty Shades of Grey as much as we want to, but that has helped people realize that they can step out of the closet a little bit with their kinks. Yeah. And at least, as you've often said, it gives us a common uh, language to talk about it. Absolutely. Kink. So what have you done? I mean, we can say, yes, there's shame. Yes, there's stuff. Yes, I felt a little bit, you know, I I, I definitely felt how about, some. How about for you, when you came to realize oh, that. I was going to ask you first. When you came to realize <laughs> that you needed pain to get off. Was that shame related for you? Or was that just an acknowledgement of, oh, well, that's the way my body works now? Oh, no, there was definitely shame in that because I found all of this at the same time I was starting my healing journey. Remember, mm -hmm. I started all of that at one point at one time. So when my life opened up to finding kink and and finding power exchange and finding polyamory, even though I didn't know the word for it yet, and starting my healing path, I mean, my walls had just exploded exploded at that point and and I was trying to pick up the pieces that I wanted to keep and discovering new pieces and I think part of it was because it happened at the same time the discovering the new world and starting on my healing path I kind of mixed them up mm -hmm. so I was a little afraid that I was enjoying kink because of my past trauma and yeah, so all of that was mixing up. So I felt a lot of shame for that. And it didn't help that I got excited about finding the kink community. I got invited to a demo party that was local, right? I took someone with me that should have been supportive. And instead, they were horrified, mm -hmm. looked at me, gave me that look of like I was a sick puppy. And yeah, that didn't help at all either. So, you know, I felt very mixed up for a time. I felt... Oh, man, I don't know. It, it, you guys got to remember, this was 20 some years ago. This is before FET and everybody embracing their sexuality. This is when our sexuality was in magazines and in the ads in the back of magazines. And even munches were in underground papers where yeah. we didn't even use our real names in case people found out. So that was the beginning. And and that's fair. And that's, you know, not to go down this path too much, but people don't realize it's not even been that you could be out being gay and not be worried about your job. Right. Right. It's not been that long that that's been a thing. Certainly coming out as kinky, that's still, you know, obviously going to cause a lot of issues for you in most situations. So like with a lot of our jobs, a lot of our corporate jobs, you can now come out as, as trans, even though mm -hmm. trans sure. are having their own issues right now as well. Right. You know, with with coming out, but you can probably come out as poly. So maybe sure. and not be judged for that, yep. but kinky wanting to beat someone wanting to be beat. Sure. That would be an issue for people. Right. Yeah. So we, we agree. Right. That there's a lot of shame in our fetishes and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I was going to ask you, how did you get beyond that? Have you gotten beyond your shame of liking to top people yeah liking um, being the sadist so i'm well beyond that now <laughs> Good. yay and because you just stuck needles in my boobs the other day and then we yeah did things afterwards <laughs> you know the, the ones that i i think the most recent where i had to look in the mirror for myself was just 
it, you know, I'm past where BDSM standard type of stuff, but we I was doing some humiliation play with somebody and, you know, that and degradation. And then I had to do the thing all over again, looking in the mirror and saying, what, what kind of person, because the trick is to really be good at degradation play from the little of, that I know is you focus on things that are true and you use that as your degradation. Oh yeah. And with BDSM play, one of the ways that I got over that shame of being a sadist was, and this is significant, and this can help with many of your fetishes to get over your shame. So here's your first actual tip to get over shame is to have that feedback loop with the person, like specifically with you after these big scenes where I would beat the tar out of you and then you'd be crying and all this kind of stuff. We would have the conversation either later that day or the next day or the next day. Is that what you wanted? How do you feel? You know, and for you to say, boy, that's exactly what I wanted. It's what I needed. I feel fantastic. Let's do it again. Oh, yeah. The world is lighter after yeah. you do that. It is. Uh, I'm going to use the word cathartic, yeah. even though we don't always we, we don't agree that BDSM should be used. Oh, that's such a tricky thing. Anyway, BDSM can be can be cathartic. Yes. And it is for me, and I actually enjoy having those crying scenes. I enjoy the chemicals that are released. I enjoy the endorphins. I enjoy the riding high. I enjoy mm -hmm. the subspace and the trance and the, I enjoy being an exhibitionist in a dungeon. I enjoy the being, the top has to pay attention to me. I like the attention mm -hmm. as well. I mean, I've had to come to terms with all of this. I love all of that. And I can't do it to myself. I want a top that enjoys where right. they take me on the journey. It it leads to that, that energy exchange. And, and the, the fun thing with just to come back to degradation play for a moment mm -hmm. is after you're done with your degradation play, you can't just go to the person and say, oh, you know, when I, when I called you a filthy slut, sorry about that. That was just part of play. Actually, I think you're the opposite of a filthy slut. I think you're a very clean whatever, right? Because then you're either implying that you were lying in the first place, right. which negates the whole degradation aspect of it. But also you're, you're like ruining the scene, what the, oh, the memory yeah. of the scene for the yeah. person, right? Yeah. So again, that becomes more self-work that you have to do to say, yeah, I did enjoy that scene that we did and I can't get the feedback loop. Mm -hmm. So the other aspect, the other thing that you can do to help get your over a sense of shame is find out. And this is a great thing about good old FetLife and all the events in the, in the United States. There's a ton of places where you can go to meet other people that are into degradation play. You can meet other people that are adult babies in diapers. You can meet other people that are into whatever fetish you can imagine. It's out there. And you can meet other people that are also like that. And that can make you feel less stigmatized. Yeah, the whole community atmosphere mm -hmm. can absolutely help with that. So I have another question for you. Okay. And then I have to remember the second thing I was going to write down and forgot while I was writing the first thing down. So degradation, I get, right? And I get that you can't do aftercare with that. A lot of people don't like aftercare after degradation sure. or an interrogation scene, you know, something like that, right? But 
how did you feel? And this is, I think, the first time I'm asking you this question. So how did you feel after doing humiliation play with someone and you face slapped them and they were much more, they ended up with a big handprint on their face mm -hmm. that they had to cover up with makeup. Yeah. And then we went out in public. It wasn't me. And then we went out in public and I noticed it, yep. which means other people would notice it. Mm -hmm. How did you feel about that? That Yeah, that one was a really tricky one. We were doing some face slap play. And, and you know, any, any play that you do with anybody for the first time, you don't know how their body's going to react, how much they're going to bruise. Mm -hmm. I was really taken aback by how much their face bruised. Right. Um, now... If you're sitting out there, oh, audience, thinking, Dan, you're not doing face slapping play correctly, if that's the result, feel free to write in, and I will probably own some of that, right? We sh well, that's neither here nor there. It happened. Right. I absolutely had to look in the mirror there and say, this goes against everything that gentlemen are supposed to do. And now we're going to be out in public. And people are going to see that. They're going to see me and, whoa, oh, my gosh, right? Um, I was very fortunate in that situation where the person who was the receiver of that, mm -hmm. her and I had a conversation about it. And she expressed, I loved that scene. Mm -hmm. And I am not worried about this. And I don't want you to be worried about this. So they did a little aftercare for me in that situation, Good. right? Good. Where. Fortunately for me, right, at this point, I'm a little bit of a veteran at this kind right. of stuff. So I managed to get through that internal processing of what was the intent. Mm -hmm. The next tool for how am I going to deal with shame? What is your intent? If your play is something that you feel a sense of shame about or other people want to assign a sense of shame about, right, sometimes we just have to look at our intent. Our intent's not to harm anyone. Our intent's not to make anyone feel worse. Our intent is pleasure. Mm -hmm. right so that can help as well it's just that there's like i like fear play that brings me pleasure mm -hmm. <laughs> how yeah. you describe that you know but i like it i i like oh i can't even describe that one so but the second thing that i was thinking of earlier was i had a feeling of shame liking this after starting to work on my trauma mm -hmm. for being a child sure. right and someone tried to assign to me that I was enjoying this because of the trauma sure. as a child. And I really had to look at that and separate that. And thank goodness, I already had found a counselor that I ended up staying with for on and off for like 10 years. She was phenomenal. And she was able to look at me and go, Dawn, how can you even think that this is the same? What you are doing now involves consensuality. Mm -hmm. And that consent makes all the difference. You don't have to look at what your drive is for this thing or what caused this drive. You don't have to look at that because there's nothing wrong with it. It's kind of like saying you like red crayons. How's that for just out of the blue? Right. You like red crayons. Do you need to go look at why you like red crayons? No, because there's nothing wrong with it. So mm -hmm. why do you need to go look at why you like to be cane? 
important, why you like to be watched, why someone pulling your hair makes you growl as they take ownership, mm-hmm. right? Why, why do you have to pick all that apart? Just enjoy it. No one's getting hurt. It's consensual. It's, well, no one's getting harmed. Right. <laughs> There's a difference. It's consensual. I've done studies, not studies, but I've done um, research. I hate using the word research when it all it means is I Googled. <laughs> right? Sure. We say we've researched, but have we? You know, um, but I have read stories and been around people for 24 years and happy, happy people in this lifestyle that have gotten over the shame. Yep. The the last bit that I have about shame is I want to mention that there are, there is a fetish itself about shame. Oh, that's true. Shame itself is the fetish that, Mm -hmm. you know, make me feel shame is what's turning me on. We're not talking about that particular fetish. That is true. But there are also emotional masochists. Think of what they go through feeling the shame and stuff like that. And that's part of the fuel for what they're feeding into the the desire to be an emotional masochist. I could talk so much more about this, like the fear play and things like that, Mm -hmm. you know, because if you like the fear play, what is causing that? Wait, I don't need to look at what's causing that. Is it consensual? Do I enjoy? Joy, God, enjoy is such the wrong word, <laughs> right? But it, it it does something for me. If, mm-hmm. it, if it makes you wet, hard, whatever, it makes me wet. Mm-hmm. And I don't need to look at it. It's consensual. I'm having fun. I'm at the point in my life, and yes, we've been doing this for years, and it has taken a while to get here, but I'm at the point in my life where I think I'm going to go to my 40th high school reunion next year. Really? And when people say, what do I do? I'm a former dungeon owner, podcast, blah, blah, blah. I have books. I think, I don't know why I haven't done it before. Yes, I do. But that's beside the point. And why wait this long? Eh, Because I did. But I think it would be cool. Sure. Absolutely. (laughs) And when other people are trying to assign shame on you, mm-hmm. keep in mind that everybody is perceiving their version of the world. Right. So it's their problem, not yours. That's yeah. my view anyway. Indeed. So good topic. I think you gave some good pointers of how to get beyond that shame. I you know, you'd also I mentioned had... something about mindful breathing. Yes. On the notes, I did put mindful breathing. You know what? I bet you that is a lot that has come into play with us not feeling shame Mm -hmm. and that we do a lot of meditation. I do a lot with breathing. I do a lot with all that stuff. And what that does, and I teach meditation and we talk about meditation and stuff like that. And what that does is it slows your brain down so that you can separate truth from fiction or. Yeah. It's not only a matter of slowing your brain down, but the, and again, we're not going to get too deep into that, but it allows you to see reality for what it is instead of the story of what yeah. reality is. Exactly. And we teach classes on that. I've, we've got Zooms. How's this for a segue? We have Zooms out on our website now. So like the last 16 classes mm-hmm. that I've done, we've done, are now out on our website. They are. Click on Classes on Demand and you can just go watch them yourself. Well, that's where we talk about meditation and breathing and all that stuff is out there. Absolutely. And sometimes we talk about it in person. For example, when we go to events like we are in Tucson and Maryland and Ohio and Pennsylvania and Indiana and Chicago and Michigan and Kansas City. And that's just over the next six months. Six months. Wow. 
Keep up with all our events, book news, discounts, and more via the Erotic Awakening newsletter. And get your awesome EA shout-out, like Minx from Atlanta. Callie from Wisconsin. And Katie from Colorado. Head over to eroticawakening.com and subscribe today. So, Don, last week we talked uh, with Coral Mallow on cuttings. We did. And I don't know if you noticed on our on our Discord channel, somebody had posted a Baldur's Gate cutting. No. Oh, was that recently? Yes. It was oh, very recently. I didn't look today. I, I, you, I was out doing errands. I would bet you it was Minotaurus who posted that. I will not go look it up right now. Okay. So it's super cool because I've actually been playing Baldur's Gate lately. Side note, I'm not very good at playing this game and I haven't played a lot of Dungeon Dragons. So for those of you who are, are playing the game and it's a lot to keep track of, I created four characters and they are all clones of each other and they're all fighters and they all have very limited skills. So very easy way to play a game. Me go in, crush, bite, hit. Sword, whack, that's, whack. That's what I do. I become the tank. So all I have to know is how to punch. Yes. And use my weapon. And then you, Mr. DM, takes my weapon away from me, which makes Dawn very angry. Because <laughs> it's the only thing I know how to do on those games. <laughs> so if you want to uh, school me on how it's going to be after I get out of Act 1 and how terrible my four-fighter <laughs> skillless group is going to be, that's fine. But we'll we'll get through there. And another interesting thing that we've done recently. Oh, that was so much fun. We happened to, we were guests on a millennial conversation where we talked about power exchange and polyamory. Mm -hmm. And the thing I really enjoyed about it was instead of us teaching a class or sharing a particular wisdom or topic, we just ranted our asses off and, and told it like it was. I felt like I was sitting in our recliners in our pajamas though we weren't but you know and that's what it felt like sitting in our with our pajamas and a cup of hot cocoa and just having a conversation with people yeah absolutely and that's, that is what it felt like so they asked questions some of them were totally brand new and so we just spent a couple of hours doing that and that was a lot of fun so i wonder if it's going to be like that when we hit tucson in a couple of weeks so we we pull out of arizona except tucson's in arizona so we pull out of where we're at in, in Arizona. Arizona. Uh, we go to a different place in Arizona. To a different place in Arizona. So we're going to Tucson, and we're going to be at the Desert Dominion, and we will be teaching. We don't teach a lot of skill classes. I mean, we teach intro to BDSM and sensual spanking and things like that, but most of it's like sacred sexuality-based, even though sure. it's kink-based. Uh, is this the first time we're teaching a class that is skill-based i feel like i'm missing no, no. something sensual spanking is certainly sensual bdsm titty torture oh titty torture that's the one that i'm forgetting so like i said the spanking and the bdsm one yeah those are skill but we kind of wrap energy into it as okay well. so, nice but the titty torture is the one that i was missing and yeah we have a lot of fun with that one and the chemical play is going to be a lot of fun yes. so if you guys can make it out we will be in tucson on march 9th of 2024 in case you're listening to this 10 years from now or through the leather archives museum because Fair. they want a copy of all of our podcast then we would love to see you there absolutely is that a segue oh that's everything that's the show i think that's everything except Other, tentacles except for tentacles we've got like four weeks where we haven't actually mentioned tentacles and they are still coming through and there's you, a lot of boobs on food boob or food on boobs, boobs. so <laughs> 
care. We can always depend on, there's like five, six, 10 people we can always depend on. Trevor is one of these. This was an octopus on boobs. Mm -hmm. So he said it kind of counted as food on boobs, but it was octopus tentacles tattooed on a set of lovely boobs. And that was a beautiful tattoo. Okay. I don't know that I'm ever going to like have my boobs tattooed like up at the neckline. I know that's a big thing, but if I did, that is one of the ones, one of the ones that I would do. You, you're scrolling past more. I know we've been to the honey. Oh no, because there's the bacon. All yes. right. So, yeah, and we haven't talked about the bacon yet. Nope. So octopus boob tattoos from Trevair, mm -hmm. tentacle monster wrapped around the guy. Enigma keeps sending those in. I think he's trying to say something. Tentacle sex, my version of tentacle sex, where it's cartoony and mm -hmm. forgetting the word that I need. But that was by Pirate on Instagram. Now, have, have we already mentioned the, the bacon on boobs? No, I was leaving that for you in a minute. I was so, on the tentacles first. Bacon and boobs and then honey on butts. And man, that is a, a, a really sensual picture. Black and white picture. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's really cool. The dripping of the honey. Yep. That's kind of neat. So, and then Trevor's going to make us some furniture. I assume that's why you sent us ooh, this picture, Trevor. That's, that's demons carved into that. That is doing mm -hmm. that is doing the fellatio and the cunnilingus. Yes. yes. <laughs> and then I wasn't sure what to make of this one. Is that a pickle? Oh, it's I a scripto. It's a scripto coming out of somebody's butt. Oh, 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 oh. But then we get into your tentacle. When we get into the and the werewolves. I've been I've been sharing about how I like what is that where they transfer into a wolf? Shape-shifting. Shape-shifting, yes. So I like shape-shifting erotica as well. So someone's been sending a, a yep. werewolf. And then that tattoo we've seen before. Pretty sure. Enigma sent us a butt octopus tattoo. I think we've seen that one right. before. And it's the butt. It's the back of the legs. It is absolutely beautiful. And then more and more tentacles, including one by Peachy. She sent that to me on Instagram. Speaking of Baldur's Gate, <laughs> I am a mind flayer. See, you don't know what a mind flayer is. Maybe that's going to get you off. Oh, it could. Much more so than Minotaur sent us this horrible tentacle monster coming out of somebody's butt. I, <laughs> I don't know about that one, sir. I don't know about that one. I haven't caught up with today's. So we usually get new pictures every day from our Discord. Oh, that is a beautiful cutting. Yep, that's your Baldur's Gate Baldur's cutting Gate I mentioned cutting. earlier. Nice. So it's, it's really kind of weird. Was shame involved in that? I'm not sure. But at the very beginning of our relationship, you remember I wanted to be scarred. I wanted to be cut. Mm -hmm. I wanted a cutting of our initials. And I found that to be really, really hot. You found out that you can't really control how a body heals. You can make it worse, but you can't make it better mm -hmm. sort of thing. So we decided not to do that, but I still had this drive for it. And now I'm looking at cutting pictures and I'm like, I'm so glad I didn't follow through with that. And I've seen other cuttings and I'm like, wow, I, I, mm. I don't know. I don't know. Are, I, are you looking at it now? I am much less. <laughs> Have we flipped? Part of the, part of what Coral shared with us that really stuck with me is that when you do things like even something as simple as, as a, piercing is that there's always a chance this is now a permanent mark mm -hmm. right and for you to just accept that and say oh okay that's the way that works huh i've got you a know? needle scar mm -hmm. on my boob from a just a needle from being a demo bottom so maybe cuttings are in the future somewhere they're in the future because you can't control it 
because I'm you coming to accept the fact that it's it's gonna be what it is. Oh, okay. Because you, oh, so we're going off on a little slight topic right now, but I have a all question. Those, all those people that tune out for when they hit right? tentacles, right? right? They're missing all this. So, so question for you, because you got to a point where you didn't want to do, now you've had tattoos since having this, yeah. this thought, but you didn't want to do piercings and cuttings and tattoos and things that broke the vessel. Yes. Of the person, things that, I don't want to use negative words. So things that broke the vessel. Yeah. The, the skin outer layer. Yeah. The body is a temple. Right. Who am I to uh, graffiti the temple? Yes. Great way to put that. And now, I mean, I saw your eyes shifting when you were looking at the pictures uh -huh. while we were interviewing Coral. And I saw how you reacted and felt how you reacted after sticking those needles in me the other day and pulling them out and seeing the drips of blood. Mm -hmm. So is it changing? Have you found a new kink? Have you found a new interest maybe yeah i would say so and I, I i would say i mean again i used to be a buddhist right so our our views expand and they grow and they change over time i don't think that it's that yeah i would say that i have changed my viewpoint of the perhaps my viewpoint is the body is indeed a temple but that doesn't mean that it should stay pristine that it should enjoy the existence the story of its existence Ooh, the story of its existence i love that i've been getting posts on something recently about women older women and they're showing off their tattoos yes and i love that it's the story of their journey and i love that whole idea so i kind of find it interesting though that i wanted to be cut and then I saw people getting cut and I'm like, oh, I don't know if I can do that. Mm -hmm. And it was okay because you were like, that's okay. Not my thing. And now I'm watching your face light up and I'm like, I don't know. But people change. Sign I me up. Sign me up for that double penetration scene you've been trying to get. Really? Things change. People grow. You know, I'm recording this, right? Oh, there's that, is that. Well, <laughs> you probably have a birthday or something coming up. I'm sure I do. Be a part of the Erotic Awakening podcast community. You can support us on Patreon and get early access to the podcast, free version of the audiobook polyamory toolkit, free ebooks, memberly discount access, and a lot more. Find all the goodies at patreon.com slash erotic awakening today. Help others find us. Take a moment to support the podcast. Rate us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Or, or just tell your friends. Join the conversation with us and other listeners. Use the links in the Erotic Awakening website for our growing Discord channel. Feel free to reach out to us. Contact us with questions, podcast comments, or whatever you want. Just to say hi, maybe. We are Dan and Dawn on FetLife. And Erotic Awakening on the Instagram. Or just email us at Dan and Dawn at eroticawakening.com. Bye, Dawn. Bye, Dan.